1: Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Twins win 8-4 to four in Boston on their home opener today. Uh, it was quite a game in a lot of different respects. Uh, joining us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, Dana Kicker, a one-time pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Dana, I was thinking about you today as I watched. It was like 67 degrees. It was gorgeous out there, East Coast day. What's it like to be a Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park on opening day? You've experienced it.
2: Well, oh, Mike, good evening, and uh, thanks for the opportunity for me to be on. And, uh, yeah, you're bringing back some fond memories. And, man, for over 30 years ago, I, I don't feel that old. Um, but the, the stadium is still about, the
1: same stadium. That's what makes it, it cool, is. you know?
2: <laughs> it is. And what's really cool is that uh, it's always sold out. You know, there's always buzz about opening day in every ballpark. But um, And I have, I mean, in my major league career, I think I opened in, Detroit. I mean, we opened on the road, we opened in Detroit. Uh, there's been three or four, you know, different ballparks that I opened in, but it, it's just different in Fenway. I mean, there's just a buzz. Uh, uh, the place is sold out. You know what? Everybody shows up too. You know, yeah. you hear about some, some of these attendants and then you look, you watch it on TV and, and it's maybe half full and uh, there's just an excitement uh, every year. They, they're they're competitive to the point where, you know, there's high expectations for it and everything. Yeah. Uh, um, but as, as you called me and asked me to be on, I was reflecting back a little bit because when it happens, you know, you just, it's, it's just the moment and everything. It, yeah. And and 1990 was, was really special in two different ways. Cause it was, was my first opening day. And, uh, um, when they announced the team, they announced them numerically after the manager, of course. And I, I wore number 19 and, and, uh, Carlos Quintana, who was our first baseman and had been a long time minor league teammate of mine was 18, you know, and he goes out there it's his first opening day and, and I'm waiting, you know, uh, pitcher number 19 and I take and start running out of the dugout yeah. over to the first baseline and there's like a hush yeah. and I almost stopped to think, well, did I just get released? Yeah, or really
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, in your profession, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and and Feller, the long time legendary PA announcer, he just he just choked because the, the the difficult thing for everybody out East and Jerry Remy bless his heart. He just passed away, uh, uh, doing, doing the color, uh, on TV. They didn't say their vowels very well. And okay. with the first name of Dana ending in a vowel, it always came out Daner. And they wanted to always do the best they could <laughs> yeah. to pronounce it properly. It was Daner kicker and Sherm. said, "I just choked because I was trying to say your name, right? You know, and it, it took me until I got out to the line where he said my name. But then the next thing happened shortly after that. A uh, uh, number 20 was our backup catcher, John Marzano. And, you know, it's his name and our starting pitcher for the home opener in 1990. Uh-huh. I'm going to ask you, guess who it was?
1: 21, Roger Clemens. Uh- you
2: got it. So yeah. so Roger Clemens warming up in the bullpen. And then there was a hush over the whole stadium. Because what happened in 1986 in the World Series um against the New York Mets in game Six. five. Was it You mean when the ball Ground went between ball. his legs? Yeah, Bill yeah. no Buckner. So um he never I mean <laughs> he was banished from the From the team, from the town, from everything, but he came to spring training as a non-roster invitee, and he made the team, and he wore number 22, and everybody's waiting to see how are they going to respond to Bill Buckner coming back to Boston.
1: I didn't realize this happened, and what happened?
2: That was standing ovation. They uh, gave him, a, a, and not just a standing ovation, but I mean, to the point where, I mean, it went on for like 30 seconds, which doesn't sound like a, a, a lot of time unless it's a football or base, you know, a basketball yeah. game. But I mean, it went on and on and on forever. So those are the two things that I remember wow. most, you know, and, and he's just, I mean, two people down from, I mean, it, it was, uh, it, it was pretty cool. And, and, uh, was but he choking up? Go ahead.
1: Was he choking up? Could you tell he's moved right? Oh, yes. Yeah.
2: He he had uh, tears in his eyes because he he did not know either. I mean yeah. it was uh, um, I can tell you between Bob Staley who threw the pitch and Bill Buckner who, who let the ball go between his legs, uh, um, there was just uh, there was just things th- things done out of passion from passionate fans to those families that probably should sh- shouldn't have happened at that time. But uh, um, but those things really stick out. Um, it was. Uh, Uh, It's just a special place. It just really is. I I mean, I I love Target Field. I love a lot of ballparks, but um, it's kind of like sitting in the the court seats at Target Center for a Timberwolves game. That's how it is watching a baseball game. You're that close to the action.
1: Yes, yeah, it's it's unique and that that green monster makes you feel even tighter and, and closer to it all. Now today they played a baseball game there, and uh, the Twins won it eight to four. Uh, but Joe Ryan, he was outstanding for the Twins today, and technically he's a rookie, but he pitched last year. He started the opener at home for the Twins, and a week later he, he gets the home opener in Fenway. Um, he doesn't see he's got nerves of steel or something as they say or big something uh, what do you see when you see it? are there some guys that are just unaffected by that kind of a thing and and, and i guess the second part of that is are, are the guys that played baseball but didn't really weren't really a fan of the game they're just good at it are they less affected by a situation like that than the than the guy that, that collected baseball cards
2: well, yeah, I think the the latter is true. Um, I, I watched him probably a number of times last year at the end of the season, and the first thing that I that I notice is he's got swag. And when mm-hmm. I say he's got swag, he's got confidence, but it's not an arrogant type of a confidence when he goes out there. And he he hides the ball for a pitcher very very well, and that allows him to. Elevate his pitches and pitch at the belt and do it in a way where right now hitters can't lay off of it. And for whatever reason, they're not seeing it out of his hands and they, they just can't get on top of that ball. And either they're going to foul it off or more times than not, they're swinging through. But I think the big thing is he attacks or he works quick and he throws strikes. How many walks did he have today? I'm going to ask not, you. Not that you know, last
1: year, you only walked five guys the whole year.
2: That That's the key. I, I, I was listening to a little bit, and Chris Atterbury, my former yeah. Saints Bay by Play announcer, said he threw eight strikes in the first inning and, and and got three outs. So you come out in that type of atmosphere. The fans, I mean, it was a playoff team last year. The crowd is into it, and you shut down the Red Sox on eight pitches, all strikes, I so think a couple strikeouts, and then obviously, uh, you know, a put out. That right there kind of sets uh, sets the tone for the game, and from what I understand, he continued to do that, you know, throughout the game. But uh, he's got some confidence, and, and uh, you you have to, you have to. And uh, um, I wish him well because he, uh, you know, he kind of fought through, put some pretty good numbers up, and and I think the trade with with Tampa Bay obviously was was great for his career, and, and look at the opportunity he's getting now.
1: Dana Kickers, our guest, former Boston Red Sox pitcher, talking about opening day in at Fenway, but opening day for the Twins, the second one, Twins three and four now on the season. They had struggled up uh, to this point to an extent. Uh, Carlos Correa does what for you? Uh, he, he has struggled offensively against small sample size, but you see what when you see him? What will he do for this team?
2: Um, Kind of like what I, what I just said, he brings some swag, and I don't know if they really really had that swag before. Uh, uh, Roger Clemens brought swag. Wade Boggs brought, brought some swag. Dwight Evans, I mean, and, and what I say with that is there was just something when they were part of the team and they stepped on the field. It just raised the elevation of the whole team that much, and I think that's what what what, what it's going to bring to him. I think the biggest adjustment for him, I think, is going to be playing – in what's been really inclement weather here early in the season. Yep. Cause you think about where he's played, he's, he's been, been down in Houston yep. in a controlled environment. And I'm sure that's going to take some time. And I saw a lot of players uh, like him, you know, that really maybe struggled that first, that first month, plus throw in out oh, the high expectations. Everybody's expecting him to, you know, get a home run every time. Heaven forbid he can never make an error. Cause what did he win? Two different, bronze gloves or gold gloves or i don't know what they give out right now so he's got quite a bit of pressure on him but um i would expect that he's going to step forward and certainly uh help this team it's next to the catcher i think it's the the, the most important position on the field so it's a it's a a great player in a very pivotal spot for uh, for the Twins this season.
1: Miguel Sano got his first hit of the year, a home run today. If you're pitching, you got Miguel Sano on your team. Uh, are, are you okay with a guy that might hit 30 home runs and hit 220? You know, is that are those good numbers to you or not?
2: Well, the 30 home runs are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh the high i guess the high strikeouts is 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 what's most concerning to me because there's a lot of situations where i know he has come up and he has been unable to put the ball in play and it's not always getting a hit that's going to make something happen um uh, we're kind of going through that a little bit at, at Century college where i'm coaching right now where you know if you put the ball in play a couple things can happen either they can make the play and get you out or they maybe don't make the play and you're safe but when you swing and miss um it really takes a lot of pressure off your defense and everything so i mean he's he's just got to start making more contact but maybe they're telling him we just want you to swing for the fences and hit i mean i'm going back didn't dave kingman hit like 50 home runs one year and set the major league record for, for strikeouts. Something like that. I don't
1: know if those are the exact names, but something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And if that's what they want him to be, I guess, then that's what he's going to do. But um, uh, um, I like to put the pressure on the defense. I mean, the kid, the kid's big and strong. I'm sure when he does make contact, it's, it's not going to be a dribbler. It's going to be a hard ground ball somewhere. And uh, those aren't always fielded flawlessly. So uh, he just, he needs to make more contact. And you hear it from everybody else and, go the other way otherwise major league pitchers are pretty good they'll <laughs> they'll continue to stay away from him and feed him those off-speed pitches and uh, um you know chase, that's what he's huh? been struggling yeah. with
1: last question you mentioned century community college you're, you're the pitching coach there have you played any games in minnesota what's this been like the last few weeks
2: we have and, and i gotta correct you because uh, brett mitchell is our pitching coach and i am the bench coach, bench coach I'm relishing I'm and just en- en- enjoying that uh, Uh, we're 13 and 13 and for century, uh, at this point right now, that isn't a good record. We barely, very very rarely lose 13 games and very few fans are familiar with the program, but in the last 10 years, they've been national runners up. I think they've been national fourth place finishers two times and fifth and throw another third in there. But, uh, uh, we've won 12 of our last 14 games. Our pitchers are cutting down on the walks. We just had a complete game shutout. We were supposed to play yesterday, or we're supposed to play probably today and tomorrow. We pushed that off, um, uh, but we've gotten our games in. Um, our field's ready to play right now, and our kids are probably playing as good a baseball as they have. So uh, the next six weeks are going to be full and. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to it. We're, we're we're doing the right things at the right time. And those 13 losses, we've learned what we needed to learn. That's what's most important. As long as we carry that through, it's going to help us once we get into postseason and hopefully make qualify for the national tournament again.
1: And it ain't Fairfax's ballpark to be sure, but it's a nice yard they got there. It's at Century, tucked away in the in the back through the woods, and it's a fun place to go to a game. Hey Dana, thank you so much, and happy Easter to you.
2: Same to you, Mike. My pleasure.
1: Dana Kicker, nice enough to join us. That's a pretty good story, huh? Bill Buckner, gets I didn't realize that, that. Buckner had come back as a non-Roth made the team. That's pretty good stuff. I got another question for Tubsey about today's game as it pertains to hustle, hustle in Major League Baseball and lack of hustle. Did it cause an injury today? Stay with us. Welcome back, Sports to the Max, News Talk 830 WCCO. Uh, Tubsey, in today's game, the Twins beat the Boston Red Sox 8-4. to four. The first batter of the game was Byron Buxton. He hit a uh, kind of a bloop-pop fly to shallow left field that uh, when, when it came, went off his bat, you, you thought, well, that's an easy out. Uh, and all of a sudden, it, I don't know if it was lost in the sun or the wind, but either way, it, it fell harmlessly. And uh, he, he, he figured that out about when he got to mm-hmm. first base, turned it on, slid into second base, um, had to come out of the game with what they're terming knee soreness right now, and and we don't know. Obviously, this has been the uh, uh, the bugaboo for Buxton is is his injury status and and not being able to stay healthy and on the field. Uh, some of that stuff is freakish, you know, it can happen to anyone. But I got to tell you. If he'd have been hustling out of the box, he'd have been standing on second base and never had to slide. He, he, you know, he watched it uh, uh, kind of lazily. He jogged down to first base and then he turned it up a notch, which is why he had to slide. Uh, he never should have had mm-hmm. to. If he'd have been going all out right away, it would have been an easy double, and he'd have been standing on second base. If you're Rocco Baldelli, you do what to him uh, when when you look at that video? I don't. I don't think you do anything. I, but but I really. Should you don't. call him
3: out for not hustling? No, I I don't think so. Uh, Because if you look at it, it looked like it was just a a normal can of corn, right? Just a a normal pop fly. And, and, I mean, we see so many times on fly balls that, you know, sometimes, you know, guys, they don't hit it well. And 90% of the time it's going to be caught. If he doesn't get injured with that slide, I, I don't even think we're really talking about it, honestly.
1: Um, or We're if not, he's not, but should we be? Is my question. You know, is, is this one of those things where you got to go back to the basics and, and literally can say, Hey, assume they're not going to catch it. Assume the ground ball that they're going to bobble it. Assume that you got to go all out on every play. Uh, I, I'm, I,
3: I'm not going to read into it like that, Maxie. Uh, to me, it was a freakish thing when he slid. And I mean, it, it sounds preventable. It's so preventable. <laughs> it, it is, but what would have happened if he would have gone in standing? And would have
1: healthy, and he'd be playing today.
3: Okay, but he would have been. He would have been tagged out. So I, I guess there are two ways you no, can no, look he at. He wouldn't
1: have been tagged if he'd have been going all. Well, that's true. That's stadium, true. Yeah, he, he just walks into second. Yeah,
3: base, so. I, and yeah, and I'm not. I guess I'm I'm not going to get upset about Byron Buxton, you know, not hustling out of the out of the batter's box for uh, what was going to be a, a. It looked like it was going to be a routine fly ball. You know, once it was, once it dropped, then. He went in there and and gave it a shot, but again, if if he doesn't injure himself on that slide, we're not even talking about this,
1: right? But we wouldn't have to be talking about it if he had run harder than he did on the slide.
3: Correct, but and it's one of those chicken of the egg. We see it all the time, though. I mean, guys hit a lazy fly ball. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Another reason that I bring this up. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, Seattle Mariners are in town playing the Minnesota Twins at the Dome. Ryan LaFever, broadcaster for Kansas City, now was playing for the Gophers at the time. His his father, Jim, was the manager of the Mariners. Okay, mm-hmm. So we got this idea. Let's, let's do a feature on Ryan, who, who used to suit up. Uh, as a, you know, not a bat boy, but his dad would let him suit up and be in the dugout during the game, right? Ryan was in college, so he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a bat boy. He was, he was a great, great player at the University of Minnesota. So anyway, we're doing this feature story, and and we're shooting him in the dugout. I, we might even had a wireless mic on him. I don't recall. Ken Griffey Jr. hits a ball at the dome off the baggie in right field, or not? No, it's a, it was the baggy, yeah, baggy in right field, right? It's a stand-up double, right? But it's really not because of the way the ball bounces. So he he you know he starts to jog into second base, never slides, barely makes it, okay? Barely. Barely mm-hmm. gets to second base, almost tagged out because he didn't hustle. And he comes back in, and I mean Jim Lefevre lit him up. You know what I'm saying? He says, never again. That kind of a thing, right? And I'm thinking, well, would that apply today? Yeah, and...
3: I- Again, I just I just have a really hard time on a routine fly ball because if that's the case, we see guys that don't run things out all the time. I mean, correct? You yeah. see, I mean, no
1: question. Th- you see, you see that you know that ball hit to the second baseman. It's a one hopper, and they go, "I got no." Ch-, you know, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. A- and we see all of the hustle plays that Byron Buxton makes. For him to not book it out of the box on what looked to be. A routine fly ball i'm i again i yeah i'm not going to get all upset and and hot under the collar over byron buxton not hustling out of the box for it it, it was an unfortunate injury with an awkward slide that seems to be the the, the reason for the injury but i'm not going to blame this on you know, him not hustling out of the box.
1: All right. Well, at our next production meeting, we're going to throw it around because I think this, this uh, uh, merits some more conversation. Let's, yeah, okay. we can yeah, we can kick it around. <laughs> All right, For sure. <laughs> See, when we come back, there's a big event going on at Target Field tomorrow. I don't know if you know about it or not, but we'll tell you about it when we come back. Welcome back. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker headline Uh Hotline is Carol Lodge, Associate Commissioner, Minnesota Amateur Sports Commission. Did, did I say your name right? It's Cara. You were close. Carol Lodge. Yes. Okay. I got the last name right. Cara, not Kara. I got you. Okay. Now we're good to go. Now, <laughs> Appreciate twi- it. The Twins do not play at Target Field tomorrow. Yet there is a big event going on at Target Field tomorrow. Explain.
4: There is. We are excited to be at the ballpark tomorrow for our second uh, officiating expo tomorrow. Uh, it will be a referee recruitment event that has uh, amateur sports organizations, um, recruiting officials across the board, everything from baseball and softball, umpires, all golf, soccer, tennis, uh, state high school league sports. We're excited to get the group together.
1: So w- where will this take place in, in, in one of the uh, ancillary areas there, or do you bring them down on the field? What do you do?
4: We'll be in the Delta Scout 360 Club. So the best, one of the best views in the park.
1: And, and, and you bring them in, and then what happens? Who speaks? What do you do?
4: Yep, so it'll be an open house-style event. Um, all the organizations will be set up tabling uh, with officials and administrators from their organizations, and participants can come through and talk with all of the different sports that they're interested in, learn about how to become offic- an official, um, all of the benefits of officiating, and just really get a feel for what it takes and... Um, everything, uh, about the officiating environment.
1: Carl, what do you think intimidates most people that, that, you know, there's lots of people that are capable of being officials that don't, w- what is the missing step? What, what, what is the barrier do you think?
4: Um, I think a lot of times, uh, frankly, just the rules of their sport intimidates them. Um, you know, we all have a love for the game and we play and sometimes I think, Since we play, since we were young, um, it just comes so naturally to us. And once you start actually looking through a rule book, you realize there's a lot more to that game (laughs) happening in the background than you might have
1: realized. It ain't just (laughs) common sense, right? Right. You got to know the rule. Does he get second base or not? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, How about, you know, we always hear the parent factor, that people don't want to be yelled at by parents. Is that huge, small? Where would you put that in perspective?
4: Yes, I'd say that's a, a primary concern, especially for our younger officials uh, and their parents supporting them. Um, I would say, you know, it, it's certainly an issue and we've all had experiences with it. But these organizations that are working together, I've seen a real commitment to helping make a change in that area, um, especially with those young um inexperienced officials. All of these organizations have their back. Everyone's willing to help them out. We do a lot of work. To help provide mentors, um, so we're we're doing a lot of work to help to help combat that.
1: Is there one sport that's easier to recruit to than others, or how, do they rank, or is it all the same? You know,
4: there's a, a shortage across across the board. I'd say it really just depends on who you're talking to. Um, some of the sports are uh, have a couple other barriers, like hockey, for example. If you if you don't already know how to skate, yeah, that's it could going be a to problem. be it, yep. another element. Yep. Exactly.
1: Yep. Uh, basketball, they've always said, is the toughest one because you know everybody thinks they're an expert because they're so close to the court. Do you find that?
4: Yeah, I think I've heard from a lot of basketball officials um, that they just kind of approach their interactions differently than when they're officiating other sports. Um, as as you become more seasoned, I think they they start to get used to those kind of culture shifts uh, as they're working games.
1: So, so you know, one of the things, one of the initiatives that that has been uh, 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 i don 't want to say toyed with because they 've had some, some some very direct plans on it, but uh, is to get younger people officiating now we don 't think of it that way well I say you know adults et cetera but but if you can get people interested in officiating at age seventeen eighteen so many people that are are really pretty good athletes never play college sports but but they understand the game because they, had a, they, they played a lot in high school and and, and, and to target those those kids and you know, I'm I'm a product of, you know, I was an umpire for, for four years when I, I started in college, and I worked town ball and legion ball and high school ball and everything else. Uh, and I just thought it was one of the greatest experiences on two fronts, Carl. One is, obviously, you get paid money, and at that time, it's, it seemed like a lot of money to me, you know, 50 bucks a game, whatever it was. Yeah, and number two... You had to negotiate tense situations many times, and I thought, "What better training tool is there for the real world than to be in the middle of conflict like that?" In in the best possible sense, uh, that's why I just shout this out to kids that are thinking about. I mean, it, it, it is it is a value. I mean, if I'm an employer and I see that you can handle umpiring for four or five years, you got something, right? Exactly,
4: exactly. It's it's huge. Um professional development opportunity that I think people don't look at it that way. Um, I know uh, when we hire uh, interns, for example, if we see that they were able to make it through officiating, we know that they have the tenacity and uh, the love for the game uh, and some of those um, people skills and time management skills that employers are definitely
1: looking for. Yeah, because if you can keep your cool when two teams are not, that's that's a pretty good asset to bring to the table. Exactly. Yeah. So so tomorrow they'll meet with the different associations, and if somebody's out there listening and they go, well, I, this is overwhelming to me because I don't know what sport I'd referee, and I don't know, I, I, I've kind of thought about it, but I don't really know where I'd fit in this thing. Uh, you can just come there with a whole bunch of questions, right? You don't need to. You, 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 this isn't something where they're signing you up for the military and they're going to give you a haircut when you're done, Right. <laughs> Absolutely. It's completely
4: conversational. I mean, of course, people are happy to get you um, signed up and registered if if you're ready for it. Um, Otherwise, we're just opening up the conversation, getting people comfortable with the possibility, and giving people the tools and the resources uh, to sign up or to learn more if they're looking for it.
1: You know, another thing about car that maybe um, young people don't realize is uh, in this profession in particular, the, the veteran's are more than happy. In fact, they welcome tutoring and helping young officials, maybe like very few other professions in sports. They really do take this seriously and want to see young people succeed in it. And they are open books to make you better uh, and do it in a non-threatening way.
4: Absolutely. I've never met a referee that didn't want to share their experiences and help others.
1: Yeah, and, and, and they enjoy the conversation, and they enjoy helping people, you know, and that's a, a valuable tool. So if people want to come out there tomorrow uh, and partake, they, they don't have to be signed up right now, right? They can just show up? Correct.
4: Yep, they can check out uh, our website if they want, uh, playtogethermn.org, um, and register there if they'd like. But otherwise, it's open house, walk-ins are welcome, um, and we're happy to... Uh, help walk you through it once you get there.
1: Okay, I'm going to ask one more question. This is p- important because I've been to a number of different uh, um, uh, di- different uh, get-togethers at Target Field. Where should they park and where should they go to get in? Because you never know what entrance is the magic entrance.
4: Definitely. So Ramp A is where we're directing people, and they can enter um, from amp- Ramp A uh, through the Skyway or from the stairs just outside the ball- ballpark uh, by the uh clubhouse store uh is kind of where that skyway access is
1: so the clubhouse store is the uh is the focal point and if you get there you're close right and then you look up yes. and there's the skyway and that's where you need to be it, 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 i believe that's the way i've done it before uh, to get to the delta yes correct okay Car thank you so much and good luck with it tomorrow and uh, but you cannot take batting practice on the field correct
4: Unfortunately not, but we'll find other ways entertain. entertaining.
1: Unless yeah, you <laughs> sign up right there and then. Then you get to go out and field fly balls. Now, uh, thank you so much, though, and <laughs> have a great day tomorrow. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet, Carla. It's, it's a great profession, folks. I'm just telling you, if you're 17, 18, 19 years old, and, and, and you want to expand yourself, meet good people, uh, put yourself in uncomfortable situations that will benefit you down the road. If you ain't leaving your comfort zone, you're not growing, man. If you're not leaving it, you're just staying the same. You don't want to stay the same because you only get to be on this earth for a short while. And while you're here, you want to find out exactly what it was that you could be. That You don't want to be just potential. You don't want to die with potential. You want to die knowing that you are spent. When I fall across that final finish line, I want to fall across the finish line. I want to lay there and go to my death and say, that's it, man. That is everything that I got has been used. The gas tank is empty. I am done. I am finished. And I have nothing left to give or to find out about myself. That's all I want. Back after this. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Big weekend coming up. You know, Tubbs, you don't see this very often. A, a, a April afternoon... And you have to choose between the Wild, the Timberwolves, and the Twins. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, you know, obviously, one had to land in the playoffs. The the the, the Wild season is extended because the the NHL is, uh, et, cetera, et cetera, That that that's a tough call. Which one? Which one are you going to watch? All things being equal. Wolves. Wolves because of the magnitude of it. Yeah, I, and
3: and I, I think at this point because. You get the Wolves in the playoffs, and and, I mean, the Twins... And and it's game one, which is going to tell you something. Absolutely. Um, Twins, regular season, I mean, it's... It is Boston, that's fun. It it is, it it is, but at the end of the day, I mean, a a playoff game is
1: just different. I mean, the the Wild... uh, And and the Wild interesting thing is they're playing St. Louis... Who they're probably going to have to deal with in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean th- those two
3: teams are, are neck and neck for the two and three spot behind Colorado. Yeah, so, and so
1: really, what you're playing for is home
3: ice. Yeah, yeah, you're you're playing for home ice, uh, but it just it's hard for me to look at the Wolves in the playoffs and think that I'm going to watch a regular season anything else. Over a Wolves I'm with
1: game. you 100%, but it is interesting because those are three pretty
3: good options. Well, I mean, well, the fact that we've got a, a Wolves playoff game. Yeah. I mean, we don't start sentences around these parts with a Wolves playoff game. Or yeah. play in-game. Play any game. I mean, it's end of the regular season and, you know, okay, let's talk about where the ping-pong balls are going to yeah. land in the lottery.
1: Yep. Yep, so, and here we go again, right? Yeah,
3: I so yeah, that's I am going I'm going Wolves, you know, we may channel flip back and forth. We're going to go see my mom and stepdad down in in Ballotin. It's a sure. small small town outside of, you know, about 15 okay. miles outside of Marshall. So
1: Okay, let, let's just say this is tradition. Let's just say it's a week from Thursday or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you got those three teams playing, which could happen in theory. Uh and the NFL draft. What do you watch? Oh boy. Um I'd probably watch the
3: game up until the point that the Vikings would pick, and then I would switch over. Yep. And then depending on the Vikings, if they made their pick, make the pick, and then you know, I'd go back to the game, or I would, you know, I I would also actually, you know, sit and open up the Odyssey app, and I would listen to the the Wolves, you know, the the uh, Wolves and the Twins. And I, I and I
1: get it. I I mean I get that you, you can access everything at yeah. once. But my point or premise if I have one. is one, what would what would what would you be drawn to first? You know, what's your first instinct? And, and one of the amazing things about the NFL is the, the NFL draft now it, it's so powerful. The oh yeah! Teams are scheduling around it. They're trying. They're playing afternoon games in Major League Baseball, and they're trying to avoid it in the playoffs for basketball. Well, I mean, because yeah, I, the NFL I, draft, which is not even a game, is that powerful as a component? It's at the
3: point now, Maxie, where cities are bidding on the nfl on the draft NFL Draft to have the draft yes i mean and, and to me the draft isn't even the most ridiculous thing that the nfl has us wrapped around their finger what is the schedule release
1: oh yeah that's uh, we get all excited and frothing at the mouth and, and remember this over a too. schedule remember this too they already know who they're going to play The schedule release just tells you when they're going to play. Yeah, when
3: exactly? We we know who the home opponents are. We know who the road opponents are, but we don't know when. And and then instantly, (laughs) it's like, oh man, look at this. you know Vikings number
1: seventeen, San
3: Francisco and Seattle. That one could decide it. Yeah, Vikings are going to go fourteen and three, and it's like, I I I understand like we we want to talk about them, but it's like to me, it's just. The NFL has got us excited about a schedule, I know. like,
1: like I mean, and they didn't even try to. You no, know, It's just everybody just... said all of a sudden ESPN does a schedule, and everybody goes, "Oh, I got to see the," you know, and, and pretty soon everybody's buzzing about it. I mean,
3: Maxie, would you agree that we're lemmings? Yes, I mean we are one hundred percent lemmings. Whole
1: point to this, you know?
3: Yeah. Um. So I'll watch. As long as the wolves are in the playoffs, they are going to be my priority. My priority
1: viewing, unless it's Game Five and they're down three-one and they're down in the first half, something like that. You I, know?
3: I'll I'll probably still watch until I know that there's no hope. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to hold out hope with this team. I'm just I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I know I should not be because history says do not get optimistic about men's professional sports in this market. But I am going to choose to be optimistic about their matchup. And as long as they're Why playing... Why not, right? Well, I mean, when's the last time we've had a chance to feel this And look at it and be like, you know what? The numbers, analytically, how they match up, you don't feel like they're going to get boat race. I feel like they've got a legit shot to contend with Memphis. And if you take one out of two, if you take tomorrow or you take Tuesday, guess what? You come back to Target Center... For for two.
1: For the playoff towel treatment.
3: Absolutely. I mean, if you can yeah. split you on know, the road. I do
1: think, though, I do think that the, the hidden component here is that people really don't understand Memphis and how good they are, you know? Because you, you don't really, you know, it's not a team you know a lot about unless you really study the NBA. Right, but I mean, if you look
3: at how the Wolves have played them this year, too. True, like two. Yeah, and the Wolves, like, the numbers trend towards some of the strengths for the Timberwolves. The one thing the Wolves don't do... Don't do this to us. No, You're going to get us all excited here. No, I'm saying the the, one thing the Wolves don't do against Memphis is... I think Memphis set an NBA record, a season high for offensive rebounds in a game against the Wolves. I think... They played
1: volleyball one night with them. I
3: I know. I think they had like 110 or something like that. I mean, it was just ridiculous... How, I mean, Wally Zerbriak and, you know, Googs, they weren't they weren't boxing out at all. I mean, you know, Anthony Peeler had no shot.
1: Yeah, uh, well, we're going down the memory lane now. You
3: yeah. know, Bri- Bryant Reeves is not walking through that door, okay? Bryant Reeves is a big country, man. Big, big country, you got it. Yeah, he's got it. a
1: big ranch down there now in Oklahoma, and he used to scout in the NBA. Did he really? Yeah, but okay. he's got a big ranch, and he he raises, you know, a couple thousand head, as they say down there, right? Yeah. Uh. Good for, you know, good, good for him. But, you, but my last point to this, Tubbsy, is all of us here in Minnesota, at some point in time, and, and, and many of you will be drawn to church anyway, say thank you if you're a sports fan. Because it's pretty cool that we live in a city where, you know, despite the woes and the no championships, you got this many teams and this many options and this many big league opportunities to be a fan. And, and that's pretty unique, and we should be thankful for that. We've got it pretty good, all things We've got considered. It pretty good, all things considered. That's my point. Yep. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too, Max. We'll catch you Monday. He's Chris Tubbs. I'm Mike Max, the Lake Man, Henry Lake. Coming up next.